Inside Westminster, chapter 149, A Plague on All Your Houses. It was the last day of the Labour Party leadership campaign, and, given the circumstances, no one gave a shit about who would win. The lady candidate with the eyebrows, which had a life of their own and danced above her thick-rimmed glasses, carried on intoning in that monotonous you're a very naughty child and so go and stand in the corner sort of way, making one last effort to win the golden crown, or had it now become the ultimate poisoned chalice in the new world order of COVID-19. The other female contender looked all of 12 and one wondered how she would fare against the likes of a rejuvenated Ptolemy Trudge-Jones who was supposed to be nearing the end of his isolation in number 11. No one could quite remember who the third candidate was as most were being overwhelmed by the tsunami of events which were decimating their lives and took little pleasure in anything to do with politics. But Potty's return to the front line had begun to look unlikely any time soon, as, in his latest broadcast to the nation, he seemed far from well, with a dishevelled appearance and a voice that sounded ominously raspy. He'd have, he'd have to extend his isolation, as he still had a temperature, so following his own advice was unavoidable. The day before, he had managed to stand on the doorstep of number 11 and clap for the NHS, Little did he know that his gratitude would be lived up to sooner rather than later. Watching from the comfort of the Chequers Library, Mandy feared he'd regressed in her campaign at polishing his image and sounded decidedly out of touch. She phoned immediately after the broadcast, but her bear was sound asleep. Better leave him, darling, suggested her mother, Angelica, adding, I don't think people will have noticed or cared, to be quite honest. And how true, now that the nation had been forced to recalibrate its priorities and take stock of what was really important, the fact that their PM was still alive and reasonably chirpy was all they wanted. Everyone craved leadership, craved those in charge to do exactly that and take charge of the situation. Mandy, too, had begun to feel more than a little under the weather, and when Angie put her palm to her daughter's forehead, she pronounced that Mandy did indeed have a temperature. More than ever, Angie was glad that they'd made the decision to all meet up so that she could look after one of her daughters at least. Nurturing was what she, as a mother, did instinctively and now her child needed her more than ever and she wasn't going to let her down. Tara's needs would have to wait, something which would be held against the mother by Tara for years to come. That was the nature of this girl who had now taken the place of Mandy as the difficult daughter. Unlike potty tony hancock had bounced back from his brush with the virus which was a blessing as in spite of the completion of a four thousand bed hospital kitted out from scratch in a record nine days and opened by prince edmund via video link the rest of the government's efforts appeared shambolic so much so that even party back in newspapers had become nervous and pointed headlines like don't fail this test minister and where are you pm abounded How, in a heartbeat, the tides of fortune had changed, and those riding the crest of the populist wave had come crashing down in a scenario which words could not describe, where retired medics meeting the call to arms were being cut down as their inadequately protected exposure to the virus had engulfed them and eight had succumbed so far. 
and the infighting between government departments and various authorities were an unedifying he-said-she-said attitude seemed to have spread like the contagion they were supposed to be battling was broadcast in the papers and on social media where comedic posts depicting useless ministers not responding to firm offers of help from industry or saying that they hadn't received certain emails from foreign governments willing to pool resources flew faster than shit off a shovel. Matthew Shrove stood prissily behind the lectern at the Daily News briefing, trying to sound authoritative on reagents, as though Joe Public had a scooby about what he was going on about, and Tony Hancock was promising the earth with, I'll move heaven and earth and pay any price to ensure that a 100,000 people are tested a day by the end of April. This, without discussing such eye-wateringly vast numbers with the association charged with the production of the said tests. Had Ben been correct in his assumption that the whole ruling structure was so fundamentally beyond repair that it should be brought down with a wrecking ball? Before he had had a chance to scythe through any dross and rebuild the edifice, the pandemic had struck and caught absolutely everyone off guard. Valuable time had been wasted mulling over the herd immunity theory, which meant a watch-and-wait policy seemed to have been adopted all of which led to the government to play catch-up and missing vital opportunities to bulk buy essential equipment, the lack of which had been killing irreplaceable key workers. So possibly Ben was right in keeping away from the war zone so that his hands would be clean, his advice remain untested. With every new day, an even grimmer statistic was announced. Today was the day when a million known cases of COVID-19 were recorded worldwide, though heaven knows how many there really were now that it had got the poorest nations in its grip. 50,000 had died since its start in December, and closer to home it was announced that we were to expect the death toll to reach 1,000 a day by Easter. These numbers were unfathomable and beyond anyone's comprehension. The, really, the world really was in uncharted territory. Hancock had announced a five-pillar strategy to face the challenge, covering testing, surveillance and building a system for the future which all sounded ominously like they expected further waves of infection, like the Spanish flu of 1918, which lasted two years and infected a quarter of the world's population, killing between 20 to 50 million of them and previous plagues suffered in the ancient world, which Potty would have stu studied, must be playing on his mind. The one in which his hero, the sexually colourful Pericles, died would be uppermost in his thoughts.' <laughs>